Welcome to the May the Smoke Be With You podcast. And now here's your host, Joe Levitt. All right, folks, welcome in to this episode of May the Smoke Be With You podcast. And today I have a local Nashville legend, Perm, from Zilla's Barbecue here in Nashville. Perm, welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, man. man I, I have been such a fan of yours, and you sucked me in with pictures of some of the most beautiful brisket I've ever seen in my life on Instagram. This, this was a few years ago, kind of before uh, May the Smoke Be With You started, but I saw these things, and I, I just I thought, so gorgeous. So I've been following you for, uh, for a few years now, and when I started to think about doing this podcast, you were one of the guys that I wanted to have on, wanted to hear your story. That's what we're going to do today, man. We're going to kind of hang out. We're going to just hear your story. Tell me a little bit about you. So that's that's literally where we're going to start. I want to know Perm's kind of life story, how you got to barbecue. Well, uh, wow, how I got to barbecue, that's a story within itself. <laughs> uh, how I got to Nashville, I was born in Brownsville. If Brown, People don't understand what Brownsville, Tennessee is. Brownsville is between Memphis and Jackson. Okay. It's a cotton town between Memphis and Jackson. My mom ended up going to college in Tennessee State University, so mm-hmm. she ended up having me come up here in 1982. So you might as well say I'm a native Nash vision since 1982. That, that's pretty close, pretty close. Yeah. So we always had a big family lineage about like having large cookouts just because the size of family that we had. Uh, on the farm, we have like a 350, 400-acre farm back home in Brownsville, and like with extended cousins, it pretty much garners in the 30s. So you're going to have a good event. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's going to bring out a smoker or a grill or something like that, and they're going to mm-hmm. cook up something just for a birthday or whatever. Yep. So just being around a smoker ever since I was really young was really cool. But then my dad and my uncles are really kind of what honed me into cooking. So you remember when the University of Tennessee used to be really good? It's been a long time, but I do remember. <laughs> I do remember. So when Peyton Manning and T. Martin was in their heydays, you know, giving everybody the business, my dad and my uncles, you know, they were called get three sheets in the wind by the time third quarter come. So they will have me start cooking for, you know, the rest of the, the quarter. You know, like, hey, this is our food for the rest of the week, so we don't need you butchering this and messing it up. <laughs> so at least make sure, you know what I'm saying, you paid attention to what we done because I, I stayed around them and watched them cook all the time. Right. So they was like, hey, now it's time for you to pay your dues. It's your turn to start cooking. So I didn't mess it up. That was my first initiation in a cooking barbecue. Yep. Then I met my girlfriend, now wife. Okay. She's a culinary chef from the CIA, and she's like, sweetheart, you know, why don't you just try to cook? So we just tried to cook for one time. She's like, hey, you know, you, you, you're really good at doing this. So we ended up doing something at the local grill shop. They had a little contest, and we won first place in ribs. Okay. And it was like, okay, this is cool. So she like, why don't you try to do it like maybe one or two times? And if anything comes for them, it's, it's a good hobby, mm-hmm. you know? So the next two, we actually won grand championships. Okay. So, was, so okay. You were doing okay. Right. Yeah. It's like we're on to something. So my wife like, okay, we can, you can have fun doing this. It costs, everybody know contest costs. Yeah. So we're like, okay, you can do that. Or if you want to go ahead and try to like do some catering and see how that goes, we'll go from that point. So when was that? Like, how, how long ago was that, uh, hey, let's stick our toe in the water and go down to the grill shop and throw some ribs and see what happens? When was that? So that was about 2014. Okay. 
2014 is kind of like we can kind of just do our head in the ring, sort of speak, and say, we're going to see, you know, saying what we have to work with. You know, I used to just fool around, like, let's see if your fooling around actually comes to something. Yeah. Because it's one thing for friends, family to be over, and you serve up ribs, and they're all telling you right. they're the best ribs they've ever had. Right. Oh, Perm, these, these are so good. These are so good. And your wife, who has a background, went to the Culinary Institute of America, mm-hmm. says, hey, you're, you're pretty good. But it's a big difference between that than being judged and then trying to sell it for catering. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, your family are your biggest friends until you make your biggest foul up. <laughs> They're like, no, you didn't do it right this time. Okay, That's right. But, you know, it's different when you have someone actually paying hard-earned money to, to have you kind of like take some stuff off their plate. Yeah. Literally, you're like, hey, I don't want to have to worry about cooking, so you have this set of skills that I believe is good enough for me to purchase and offer to other people. So when we started doing stuff like that and we get people to say, hey, you shouldn't just be catering. Catering is great. You need to think about maybe like, you know, starting something for yourself, even if it's just small. So I said, okay, with the little four by eight utility trailer I have, we mounted a smoker on the back. It would just say, okay, let's, let's see where this can take us. Um, That's when the whole social media thing just took off. Right. Uh, it allowed me to kind of open up my range as far as like the things I can cook, give me an opportunity mm-hmm. to see what I cook well, what I need to work on. And it was like, you know what? I have a nice menu that I can put out. I did my first pop-up at a grocery store right down the street from my house. Nice. And we sold out in like 30 minutes. What What was that go-to dish for you early on? Like what was the thing that you were like, I've got this dialed in. I don't have to worry about that. Was it, was it ribs? Was it... Um, <laughs> Believe it or not, it was an appetizer. It was a bacon wrapped potato. Okay. A lot of individuals, like, they know me from my early days from when I started um, to produce bacon items as far as, like, menus. Uh-huh. Because everybody knows bacon is not the same. You have your thick cut, your regular cut, center cuts, whatever it may be. But I found my medium to where I know if I can do that with certain types with shrimp, certain types with potatoes, certain types with other different proteins yep. that I can enhance it. And then I started working on my seasonings. I'm like, okay, what works well, I feel like, puts me in a certain lane that no one else is in. Yeah. I don't want to kind of reinvent the wheel. I just want to make sure it rolls smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's let's kind of pause here where, where the, the business has kind of taken off a little bit. I, I want to go back a little bit to to when you were a kid and you're, you're cooking and it's family. Like, what were those those big events like and what were – your dad and your uncle, like what were they cooking? Like what were they good at and how were they cooking? Like what was what was their process? Uh, like were they just cooking on Weber kettles? Did they have a big offset? Was it yeah, – I'd, I'd love to hear just kind of where your, your barbecue roots are. So when – let's just say from the farm. Let's just give a quick overlook of the farm. Um, when you're on the farm on Sundays, Sunday is church all day, morning, noon, Afternoon and night. Three times. Yeah, yeah. Three times. So while you're there at church, people usually either have, they have a kitchen in the rear of the church where they'll prepare dishes, you know what I'm saying, between each service. Okay. I've seen a lot of gentlemen, um, which are like the deacons of the church and things like that, they'll bring a grill and they'll offer like a smoke maker or something like that to kind of pass the time between the next service starts. So that's kind of like where I had my initial introduction to cooking meat because it's kind of, it's not easy cooking for a congregation of 50 and then you have a visiting church and you have to feed them too 
So they would have visiting churches just yes. like, hey, this week we're going over to, to Browns, yes. Brownsville and we're going to we're going to go to this church. And so you might have another 30, 40, 70 people exactly. show up and, and your congregation is then feeding them. Yes. Okay. So when I say, you know, when you cook on mass scales, they cooked on mass scales. Yeah. So you saw all that food. You're like, wow, that's a lot of food. But then I took that in consideration. A lot of people, though, there was their food for like half of the week or majority of half the week. Yeah. Because, you know, they were cotton farmers. They didn't have gotcha. a, a huge income to go off of. Mm-hmm. So whatever they had to stretch, that's what they used to stretch. You know, and it's kind of like how they fed the neighborhood. Now, with my dad and my uncles, to a degree of recreational, you know, they get a couple of, you know, encouraging drinks, liquid courage around them. And they're like, it's still the same, you know, working class individual meal. They're like, they cook pork chops. Uh, my uncle was really amazing with salmon. Really amazing. Really? That's one of my one of my best salmon dishes I got from here. Hmm. Completely amazing. Um, he does what they call a drunken chicken. Um, I mean, out of this world. Uh, that's kind of like one of the guys that I saw. He didn't cook what we deemed to be traditional kind of barbecue. Mm-hmm. He always had his own individual flair that he put up on it. And he introduced me to different spices. Yeah. Uh, because I have to think in, in, in Brownsville back in – the 90s, uh, I'm guessing that's when you were kind of growing up mm-hmm. in their 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. Like salmon was probably not on a lot of menus around no. there. It was like catfish, buffalo, uh, stuff that you can either get out of like real food lake or a pond or something like that, mm-hmm. bass or something like that. Yeah. Things that are edible, you know, they wasn't really big on like, hey, you know, I got to go to the local fish market and see what the daily's market catch is. Right. You know, they, they pretty much whatever you caught is what you ate but when he introduced like hey this is a salmon you cut it this way you can season it this way you can prepare it and you can eat it with multiple days and then don't dry out if you do this to it so once you like wow you know i can cook more than hamburgers i can cook more than ribs but pork chops and stuff like that i saw how my dad did it and he made it amazing Mm. you know it's, it's crazy how you can eat something the second day and it's just as good as the first. That's so good when that happens. And that's how <laughs> and my, rare. rare. I know. And that's how my uncle and my dad's were. They're like all the majority, not all, but majority of the dishes they made. You're like, wow, how can it be just as good, if not better the next day? It's just because of the care that they did when they cooked it. They didn't over, they didn't overcook it where it dried out or anything like that because they knew later on that it had to, that week they have to cook it, warm it up. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to want to have to rehydrate it or anything like that because that's stuff they had to take for lunch. Right. So they knew later on down the line, that's something they had to do. And was this dad, uncle, was it generational? Did, did their yes. their parents cook? So this is yes. all been handed down. Absolutely. So your uncles, you know, he was getting, he was getting that spice game from somewhere. Right. And your, your dad was just, he was getting those pork chops and, and nailing those. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned a little bit about, liquid courage mm-hmm. and you brought me something oh absolutely um and I, I don't know what it is all i know is that it's it's clear mm-hmm. and you said it came from your farm T- tell tell me what i'm about to uh now a lot of individuals uh it depends on what circle you're in they call it um moonshine okay uh where i'm from we call it corn liquor okay it's, and it smells sweet mm-hmm. now that's a white peach Okay. Corn liquor. Okay. Now, that's something what we call a sipping whiskey. 
Okay. So you don't have to dilute it with anything. Okay. You don't have to chill it. You don't have to freeze it. You can basically, it's something that, you know, your dad or your granddad would have on the porch and they would okay. sip. So that's something that, you know, we'd love to kind of like hang around. That's when you get your best stories out of. I can imagine. Yeah. That's when a lot of heyday stories come out. After uh, a little bit of sipping for yeah, a while. That's when you. I, I do love the way it smells. And the crazy part about it is it is not strong. It okay. is so smooth. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm about ready to take a drink. All right. Here we go. <laughs> okay. All right. Here, here's here's what I'm gonna say. My my wife loves loves bourbon. I'm not I'm not a bourbon guy. It's a little it's a little too hot for me. I think it just. I, I've had some good bourbon for the most part. It's just too hot for me. I, I just don't love it. This. This is dangerous, because this is this is really good. I know. And it is smooth. It's sweet, but it's not. It's not like syrupy sweet. Right. You're getting a little that peach like this. We might be here for a few hours. I, I don't know <laughs> this this sipping whiskey thing. I might I might get the hang of it. I yeah. I uh, I like it. Oh yeah, it, it's something to. That's the reason why you get your best stories out of that because um, if you get a good jar, you get two individuals around that's been around for you know a good twenty thirty years. Mm -hmm. They have some stories to tell you. Yeah, I love love hearing your your background, where you came from. All right, so we'll fast forward. You've just kind of started. You're you're starting to do some catering, and then you said social media kind of kind of took off, and and really allowed you to grow grow the business. Um, and so that was kind of 2014, 2016 ish, right in there. Were you still you still had another full time job as you started doing this? Or, yes. So yes. so explain what that transition was like, kind of going from. Hey, I've got this passion over here that I'm I'm really loving. People are loving what I'm serving. It's not yet quite enough to be full time, and then you're still trying to to serve that other job well and right. make a paycheck. Right. Um, so, what was that whole season like for you? Well, that's that's what a sacrifice comes in. Mm. Um, everybody knows with barbecue, no matter if it's a short cook or long cook, you're going to sacrifice time. It's true. Now me doing the things I was doing as far as like being able to have the career I had prior to me doing barbecue, I feel like it, everything I've been blessed to have a labor of love because hmm. the field I was in before I was doing barbecue, I love to do it, you know, to be able to work in some of the most prestigious homes um, in Tennessee. It was great, you know, but it was to a point where I'm like, I'm sacrificing too much. I'm sacrificing my body. Cause mm -hmm. I did some certain things like getting in attics and crawl spaces and doing things. Yeah, I know it's a young man's game. I mean, I had the foresight to see. I'm like, yeah, you can't, can't do that forever. Exactly. Yep. So I'm like, I can cook. You can, as long as you can eat, you can cook. So it got to that point to where I'm saying, okay, I know I can cook. My wife, she has a culinary degree. She said I can cook well. Mm -hmm. I said, but you gotta get to the point. You know, everyone wants to root for you and your family, and they won't think you can do well. So it's like, okay, once I started going out and seeing how other people say I can do well, I'm like, I have to make that sacrifice. I say it may not pay off initially, but long run, long as I continue to put forth for effort. Mm -hmm. And that was my time I can do my research. 
Yeah. See what works well and get, do paid research. You know, I may be on my lunch break where everybody else was kind of like hanging around shooting the breeze. I was looking up recipes and see what works well as far as time made. And people, I'll bring stuff to work and people are like, man, that is, that's really good. And I'm like, okay, I'm on to something. And I wanted unbiased, I wanted unbiased opinions. And I told them straight out, I'm like, look, it serves me no justice if you just kind of like, hey, it's great. I'm like, I need to know if you will purchase this. Right. So once they say, yeah, I would, I wholeheartedly would. Mm-hmm. And then you like, okay, now I know the sacrifice would be worth it. Right. And so how many years was that, do you think, for you to be doing kind of both jobs and sacrificing? And that meant nights and weekends were gone because you were you were prepping, you were cooking, uh, and then you came back to work Monday morning and you were exhausted because you just you slayed all weekend. Yeah. How long were you doing that? 2008 to 2017. Okay. That's a long time. Yeah. So 2017 is the year that you said – Full steam. Full steam ahead. We just, we broke away, and we broke away at the good time, I believe, because we was at the point to where, like, okay, I had more job requests than I did when I was actually working. Yeah. It's like, okay, now it's time to make that decision. Like, you have the demand. Now you have to feel the need. And you got to be consistent with it. You can't be like, I'm on one day off the other day. No, that don't work. Right. You know, it, it's like, okay, you you have opportunity to do what you love to do. Let's see how much, see how bad you really love it. Because it's going to take away some things. You're like, man, I done had some nights, like, I wish I can be, like, laying in bed. Sure. But I know I got a brisket. It's going to take 8 to 10. No, 10 to 12. Sure. Because I was cooking bed sheets at that time. And when I called bed sheets, there was no more, less than 19 pounds. Okay. Those are big. Yeah, because like when I say I'm selling line thirty minutes, I'm selling line like thirty, forty people, if not more. Yeah. In thirty minutes. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's pulling stuff out of an Oklahoma Joe Longhorn and a four by eight utility trailer. So <laughs> You were you were pushing all those little grills yeah. to the absolute yeah. max. Yeah, um, I had a symphony going on in the backyard. I bet. I had um uh Oklahoma Joe Longhorn. And I had two Oklahoma Joes, um, the smaller ones. And I had them all working in unison, maxed out. And those, you, it's not thick steel. No. Those those temperatures can bounce all over the place. Yeah. You know, you can be good. You, I'm sure you were really good at getting it dialed in. Yeah. But there are some limitations. I mean, they're not just going to hold their temperature just like you get it, get it going. It's going to hold for... 10 hours by itself, like there, there's some tending that's an active Oh, absolutely. Cook, for but sure. But see, what I done was, if I was going to dive head first into it, I need to make I can make sure I can get the optimal amount of cooking efficiency out of those. So I researched every baffle, every gasket, mm. everything that made it inefficient, everything. So I know I'm like, if I'm going to be up all night, mm-hmm. that's going to be some of the best meat somebody's ever eaten. Yeah. Because I know I've sunk everything into those cooks. You mentioned your wife a few times. Yes. How long have you guys been married? It'll be 10 years in November. All right. And uh, I know through social media, you guys have a couple little ones. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, uh, tell me about your wife, kind of how you guys met, and then tell me about your kids. Um, my wife and I, we met in 2007, I believe. Yeah. Right in the middle of the whole housing crisis. Mm. Um, she was doing an internship in New Orleans. 
uh, we actually met on social media. Uh, okay. Yeah, met on social media. She was looking for some places in New Orleans. There were like some getaway spots while she was having her downtime and stuff. And I knew a couple of people in New Orleans at the time. So we struck up a conversation, and she was actually from Nashville. Mm. So I'm like, hey, that's complete coincidence. That's great. Um, ended up going back up to school for a residency while she was in um, New York. She's like, hey, you know, I'm going to be up here for a while. Um, if you ever have any opportunity or any time, for any time, just come see me. I'm like, well, the housing market was in a tank. I mean, right. I got free time. So. Yeah, you, the, yeah, the building wasn't quite as steady. and yeah. Right. So went up there. We hit it off. Uh, for a second she came back home um, and it was crazy because the first time I met her I met her entire family yeah she came home from school um, we went out to check out a movie went grab something to eat or some bowling or something really crazy but <laughs> the whole family super cool people and I'm like okay these are people when you find out people that you can actually hang around you knew it was gonna be like okay it's gonna be pretty cool yeah so after we, she got out of school, I'm like, okay, this is, my mom's like, okay, you need to, she's a good one. Just, just. Yeah, don't let this one go. Don't mess this up. Yeah. Don't mess this up. So, uh, went with her, her job took her to different states. It allowed me to kind of work on my profession because my profession doing low voltage before that, it allowed me to travel. You know, I okay. was able to get jobs in different states and stuff like that and still be um, a great contributor at the house and things of that nature. So we decided to finally come back home, um, got married less than four years after we dated. Great. And then let's just say last year, we was trying to have kids and got to the point where we were like, you know what, maybe we should adopt. Hmm. And they were like, yeah, we, we can do that. So when we initially signed up for adoption, we was like, okay, we'll do a boy or a girl. And we said we were open to twins. Whatever we was blessed with, we were more than welcome to say, okay, hey, this is great, boy or girl. Usually through the whole adoption process, if we get presented with the birth mother, they'll contact her first and tell her, like, hey, uh, we have somebody. You know, it's, and it's, the adoption thing is really touchy because it's like a dating situation. Mm. You're trying to figure out if you and the birth parent really kind of jive together, so to speak. You right. know, you got to make sure because – the way ours is is an open adoption so gotcha. we want to make sure that the parent the birth parent can still be in a child's life mm -hmm. so we want to make sure both parties are comfortable right so by me saying that she was always taking lead you know being the mother i'm like hey if you want to take lead more than welcome i sit back and do my job but this one particular time there wasn't able to reach her they reached me they're like hey we heard y'all said this is y'all parameters mm -hmm. as far as age, but we have twins. It is a boy and a girl. And I'm thinking to myself, holy stuff, really? <laughs> and they had the nerve to send a picture. It was like, oh, no. It's one thing to send a picture of a puppy. Yeah. It's another thing to send a picture of two. Two amazing, mm -hmm. amazing children. Amazing. And it's like, and she was like, we did say twins, we did say boy or girl, and we got both. Wow. And it was like, yeah, thanks for the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> there's, some, there's something emotional right now with you, man. Like, it is. It's, it's, I love this. It like, is because, you know, you. for me, I always want to give my child options. 
I, I, if they don't want to barbecue, that's cool. Because this is my way to be able to provide for my family and give them opportunities and choices. You only make good decisions off the choices you have prevented into you. Yeah. So I'm like, look, if I can do this, I'm like, and if my daughter or son wants to barbecue, they got to live in encyclopedia. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But if they don't, they can be some bad cooks. So some, either some girl or some guy can't impress them with that old raggedy pork chop of macaroni. They can't do that mess. No, no, not in that house. Yeah, no. so. Between you and your wife. No, yeah. they're going to know what good food is. Yeah, yeah, especially with my wife's prowess, her degrees. So it's just, it was really cool to to get them in for my parents, the whole interaction with the parents when the parents first saw. First they saw my daughter, and then we introduced my son. And then the waterworks came, mm. and then it's never been the same. You don't matter anymore. Nope, nope. <laughs> Only thing you do is provide for them. Yeah. But, you know, Initially, when I was doing barbecue, I did it to set an example, to show people like, hey, there's no excuse why you can't, you can't do something. They're like, well, it's going to be hard. Well, if you really want it, it's going to be hard. I mean, if you really want to say, hey, this is what I want to do, this is the impact I want to leave, it's going to be difficult. It's not meant to be easy. Mm-hmm. But to see, I'm like, look, I got two people out here that's depending on me. And then after that, I got people that I don't even know that look up to me. Yeah. And they're saying, if he can do it, why can't I do it? Yeah. So I got a responsibility. And everybody like, man, how do you hold it hold it to together like glue? I don't. If y'all knew how much it took for me to put events together and look cool, yeah. oh my goodness. You'd be like, wow. But the thing is, I know it's more than it's just about me. I know I have people depending on me say, okay, okay, I get it. People come to me. And that was one of the things that really got people in social media because I'll interact with an individual just like I met you yesterday. Yeah. Because if I had those same people to say, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's what you're going to have to do. Here's what you have to be prepared for. I could be further a lot faster. Yeah. Even though faster is not always the best thing, but I know I can pretty much not have to go through a lot of the stepping stones. Right. The hurtful stepping stones. Yeah. The most costly mistakes are the ones you have to pay for. Mm-hmm. And then that's one of the, one of the things that keep people deterred because they're like, man, if I didn't make that mistake, and you can't drown in it. Because if you're going to be in business, you're going to make some mistakes. Oh, absolutely. One thing that I've, I've learned, you know, uh, I, I'll say, you know, I've been, I've been grilling barbecuing for, you know, not nearly as long as you by, by any stretch. I mean, really, I mean, it's, it's less than, it's probably about 10 years-ish or so. But one thing that I will say is to that point, the, the barbecue community is, is a pretty tight community. And pretty open, you know. I think there's there's a lot of a lot of folks like you, and that's I think what makes the the barbecue barbecue fam, as you know, you see on mm-hmm. on Instagram, people referring to each other that way. I mean, it's it's real, and I think you are a great example of that because you have other young aspiring pitmasters who are coming to you and and asking you the questions, and 
and I think it's part of the the legacy of barbecue that, that you don't hold it to yourself. You don't right. hold hold that knowledge. You pass it on. You could pass on everything that you know. You could pass on every spice blend that you have, and they're not going to produce the same thing. No. You know, they might produce something that's, in some ways, maybe it's a little better. It's absolutely. You know, and in some ways, they'll never quite get to your level until they put that 10,000 hours in. Right. Until they've got the experience. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's that's kind of this, from from the outside, I think the misnomer I had, and, and, and I'd be interested to know if that's kind of your, your take now that you're really on the inside, mm-hmm. is that barbecue is super secretive. People were just not going to tell any secrets that... You, you just have to learn on your own, but I found it to kind of be the opposite. Would you Would you agree? Disagree? Uh, agree. I agree both. and disagree. <laughs> no, okay. no, I agree and disagree to a, yeah. to both. Um, you do have individuals that are willing to share. Um, and here's here's a caveat, and I want to explain it to you. That's the reason why I quit doing competition barbecue. Mm. People are so they more or less. They hoard secrets when you're doing competition barbecue. When you do competition barbecue, it's like they hoard secrets. And and you gain nothing from that. Right. It's like, okay, you and a select individual, select number of individuals may know what it takes to win numerous grand championships. But how is that helping anybody? Right. I mean, and I've won grand championships. Yep. And I told people, I'm like, they're like, what did you do? I'm like, here's what I done. And I know people, I know they got to make a living out of it. Some people do classes and stuff like that, and they make they make a living out of it. Mm-hmm. But the whole premise of barbecue was to be able to share with a community. If I didn't have something, that's the reason why they cook hogs. They didn't just cook hams. Mm. They cook hogs because your neighbor may have enough for a hog but you may not have enough for a sandwich. Mm. So they had to share for them. So what did they gain from sharing? When you don't have enough people to help bring in your harvest, they take time out of their schedule and come help you pull in your harvest. When you hoard stuff, nothing gets gained. Things get lost Mm. because you forget to tell somebody, I forgot to tell you what to put in this one recipe. That's one of the main reasons why it's, it's not about, well, they judge my food one way. They judge my food another way. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody has a different take on what's salty and what's sweet and all that stuff in this personal preference. But what are you gaining from hoarding anything? You're not bettering any culture. Right. So it's like, okay, I know how to be- cook the best burger. If your friend came, you're like, man, I know Joe makes the best burger, but he's not going to give you the secret. So how am I going to learn from that? Mm. You have to come to my house when I'm cooking it, and that's the only time you're going to get it. Exactly. Yeah. That's not that's not fair. Right. But see, the thing is, what if they come to your house while you're cooking it? And like, you know what? Let me show you how I cook this burger. Mm-hmm. When they actually see you cook that burger, they're like, man, that's how you do it. I can learn from that. Yeah. And everybody thinks like, man, he's going to take it and sell it. What, what Go get, ahead. Yeah. No matter what, you may not still be able to replicate it the way you do. Right. But my thing is, when you when I cook wholeheartedly, it doesn't matter. Because the purpose behind me cooking it is like, okay, I need to make sure you're taken care of. So what if there's a single mother 
with two kids. And they're like, hey, man, I love your mac and cheese. Let me show you how to make it. Because it's going to maybe come a point in time where you can't come and buy mac and cheese from me. Yeah. Well, you know, you you talk about just the, the spirit in which you're cooking and have cooked. You know, I, I have that mental image of you with that, that symphony in your backyard, those three Oklahoma Joes, yeah. you tending that fire, all those things. Uh, you could have had numerous people come through that backyard and you could have said, this is how I do it. And nobody would be able to replicate that because there was a different passion that was coming mm-hmm. through you because you were, you were trying to get that dream. Mm-hmm. You had a dream. And then once you got it, you were like, I, now I got to do it. I got to cook. I got to, right. this has to be the best barbecue these people have ever put in their mouths and they're, they're paying me tomorrow and we got to go. And right. it doesn't matter what the weather is doing. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. anything. The symphony's got to play. It's got to hum. Yes, it's got to be good. Absolutely. You've had some pretty amazing opportunities. Yes. Uh, first one I want to talk about, I think a lot of people would be interested to hear about is your experience with Food Network. You guys, you and your wife, uh, were on the great food truck race. Is that what it's called? That's correct. Great American food truck race. Yes. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little, how did that come about? And, and just like, what was that experience like? Uh, my wife had a concept for um, loaded fries. Okay. Um, and just with my knowledge of proteins and just her knowledge of cooking, um, just intermingling different seasons and implementing them in different ways and making it to where it's viable for the masses. And it was a great, it was a great learning experience mm-hmm. because it helped you understand what your value is. You know, we pretty much undercut ourselves. And the way we undercut ourselves is we feel like if we would pay a certain amount for certain things, we don't want to fleece someone just because sure. people know like, hey, he's a well-known individual. He, he does really good things as far as his product. He doesn't give second tier products as far as like the cuts of meat or anything that he offers. Mm-hmm. So it was a learning experience as far as saying, hey, you have to have a certain set of morals no matter where you stand because once you have those you don't budge on those, people look at you in a different way. They say, okay, we can understand the reason why you've done what you've done. Because when we was on the store, when we was on the show, excuse me, we was like one of the highest like rated people that people wanted to see actually win the show. Oh yeah, by the way, we didn't win the show. <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, it's spoiler, been out a long spoiler time. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. But Individuals like, hey, man, we were rooting for you because we saw what you was doing. We saw how you impacted people. So that was another thing. And that was after uh, Zill's Pit Barbecue was going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've been on a food truck, so we had that we had that kind of chemistry going on. Mm-hmm. So we was more or less like, okay, we can see what other trucks are charging and we see how they're comfortable with charging people the things that they were and we just was not. Did it change your philosophy at all? Like, you know, that's that's one of the things that, I've watched that show, mm-hmm. and I'll see that somebody's putting out a, a two-taco plate with two tacos mm-hmm. and, and a side of slaw, and it's $18. Right. So I think this is what you're getting at, is, right. is you guys were out there, loaded fries. You knew, hey, potatoes are cheap. Mm-hmm. Oil's cheap. Mm-hmm. These toppings, hey, this is, we've got a dollar eighty hard cost in this, right. $3. Right. We're going to charge $8. Right, instead uh, of like 20 or $25. Right. Right. Uh, so is is that kind of like where your almost your moral dilemma came in? You just c- couldn't get to that point where you said we're going to gouge people. Is yes, that- 
That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Because, like, even the host said, hey, man, y'all got to bump y'all prices up. And we was like, why? We, we really were, were like, and, like, they're like, you're a premier item. Just because you're on the show, you can charge more. Right. But then I got to tell myself, then I got to go home to people and explain to them why I got to charge an arm and a leg for a taco. Right. Or loaded fries, or whatever it may be that we were selling. They're like, "How can you sleep at night and telling somebody you're overcharging somebody for a dish that may not cost half that price?" Right. And people, people really, they're like, "Look, if you're gonna go out on that, we get it. We understand it. We understand that you're not here to price gouge and take advantage of folks just because people look at you in a different stature. It's just not fair. Because I've been on that end. I've been. My mom was a single mother at one time." And I know how being a latchkey kid, you can only make so many mac and cheeses or sloppy joes before it starts getting pricey. Right. So I know what a budget means. Yeah. And everyone like, yeah, we get that. And and we we keep those same principles on our truck. You know, the cost of proteins is what's driving a lot of our prices up. Yeah, because they're, they're going crazy right now. Yeah. And that's the only reason why our prices are set the way our, our prices have been set for the last two years. Mm. Even through everything that's been going on, our prices never moved. You haven't raised your prices? No. no. We haven't. That's hard. It is. And then to a certain degree, people are like, man, the portion size and what you're offering, the quality of food, man, you can really raise your price. And I'm like, I know. But who's that, who's that helping? Right. I'm like, you know, being able to do the things I'm doing right now is allowing me to be able to say, okay, I can be impactful in different ways. You want to be able to pull into that parking lot where you did your first pop-up and put your sign out and not be ashamed of your prices. Right. To be proud, to know that you're offering a, a great product at a fair price and uh, and people can walk away satisfied with, with that. Yeah, you don't want to give people a chance to be like, well, they're going to walk up to your trailer, but they're like, man, I can't even afford it. Right. And it's not, it's, it's not fair to them because you don't know where – I had people drive over an hour to get my food before. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to let them drive an hour to get my food on this eat. That's almost out of their price point. Right. I'm like, that's just not fair to them. And I've actually given food away. My wife looked at me and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, look, you don't know what situation they're in and you don't know if we can ever be in that same situation. So you got to understand every story is not the same. Yeah. You know, the opportunities, you know, I've, I've seen you, there's been, Tennessee Crossroads here locally, which is kind of a, a really cool PBS show. And they, they came and did a feature with you guys. I saw that. Uh, I've seen kind of some other on occasion, I think Channel 5. I think there's been a few mm-hmm. things that, that you've been featured here locally. But something really cool that's happened recently uh, is that you've been kind of named by Kingsford as one of the Preserve the Pit Fellows for 2022. Yes. I'd love to hear what that is first and then just, just how that came to be for you guys. Okay, so Kingsford started last year, Kingsford Charcoal Company. They started last year where they want to honor uh, black pitmasters. Um, they put out a, a release where they put out maybe applicants were anywhere between 2,500, 2,800 applicants throughout the U.S. Mm. And That's out of those 25 to 2,800 applicants, they chose five. And out of those five, they'll give you a grant towards the end of your fellowship or your mentorship to be able to either improve your business or open a brick and mortar. Oh, wow. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to encourage diversity in the barbecue field. Absolutely. But my thing is this. No matter what, you have to work. 
nobody would have come to me if I didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like even if they didn't come, which is amazing that they did. And everybody like, man, how you do that? I'm like, be honest with you, I absolutely have no clue. Because I'm so focused on making sure each plate goes out like the last. And those are the people that I'm trying to impress the most because those are people that come back and make sure you're still in business. Right. And for Kingsford to say, hey, man, we actually see what you're doing. And for me to be able to say, okay, I garnered attention to be in some college atmospheres as far as like stadiums. And and actually be on campus and serve food to some prestigious people just from hard work. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, man, what is it? Is it luck? I say, yeah, it's luck when you start cooking at 11 p.m. For the next day. Mm-hmm. Not for a midnight snack. No. No. No, no. When you start, when you wake up. And, and that's where that sacrifices come from. Because you don't know where it leads to. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice today. All right. You know what? Get up. If a thousand people show up, it's amazing. If five people show up, it's just amazing because those same five people had five opportunities to go somewhere else, hmm. but they chose to do business with you, and you don't know who and how it's going to impact your business. So I treat every individual. That's the reason why I don't know if anybody else on your listen to your podcast have done business with me. If they have, then no, we call you by name. Hmm. We treat individuals like individuals, not by numbers. And you're not calling number forty-five. No. No, that. because I'm I'm calling Sarah, I'm calling D, I'm calling John Jameson, because I need to let you know one of our principles is I'm not going to feed you something that I'm not going to feed my grandmother. I have shut down a whole pop up before because my meat I was not to my standard, hmm. and this is recently. Wow, seriously, I, you can ask some people out in Fairview, and they was like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Yeah," I said, "No, I have quality control," but see, a lot of people. You gotta have standards, because a lot of people are like, man, I got this much money set into this, I I got I got to get it out. No, you don't, because you, you only have more harm by serving a bad product. You only got one time to make a first impression, hmm. and then the first impression you give somebody is like, oh, this is what everybody's talking about. It's not uh, that good. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. And then people have way more respect for you because they're like, okay, I see you have a certain standards that he's willing to live up to. Those people in Fairview were like, are you kidding? Exactly. You came out all the way up to Fairview? Yeah. And then you said no? Yeah. And then I told him, I said, look, I got certain menu items that I'm willing to sell. Yeah. But like, this menu item, this menu item, I will not let it go out my window. Wow. And then I was like, okay, I get it. Refunded the guy's money because he placed it in his order. I started slicing. I'm like, there's no way in the world he's getting this. Mm. And the guy, you know what? I told him, I said, man, I'll be back later on that week. Came back Thursday, gave him his food. He said, man, now I understand what you're doing. He said, I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I said, you work hard for your money and you chose to come do business with me. So it's only right for me to give you something that I will give to my grandmother. I, I don't want to go past this, this Kingsford thing because I think it is, it's amazing. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, huge honor. I know you're going to Memphis in May tomorrow. Yes. Uh, you're going to do, do a demo for Kingsford uh, down there. I'm sure they're going to treat you guys really, really well uh, <laughs> when you're there. But talk a little bit about just the kind of the African-American culture in barbecue. And do you think, like, is there a real fear of it being lost in that culture? I don't know if it's being lost. Um, I, I'll say this. 
a lot of the businesses that are being run are being run by kitchen managers that maybe are predominantly African-American. It may and, have a, it may have a, a white owner. Yes. Uh, white, not, whatever, whatever the demographic may be. And the face of it is something yes. else. Yes. But the guys that are cooking. Either cooking or running the kitchen are predominantly African-American. Yeah. And what I look at as you're just as good to run a business. You just don't have the business acumen to it. Or someone's told you, you can cook, but you can't run a business. That's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it said, who said you can't run a business? Why can't you run a business? Yeah. I'm the reason why you can run a business. I'm the reason why you should not be scared to run a business. Will you fail? Yes. That's guaranteed. The right. thing is, what would you do when you get done failing? Are you going to let that be your legacy? I failed. Well, I gave it a try. Right. Well, guess what? Guess how many people failed before you? But they still got back up. And that's the whole thing with me. I'm doing it to show not only people that look like me, but people coming behind me. Young kids that think, okay, okay the only way I know I can actually turn a profit, I either got to have a skill set, have a trade, whatever it may No. What do you love to do? I love to barbecue. You like to cook? Okay, Let's I can go. show you. Right. You can. You may not be a millionaire. You may not be a ten millionaire, a hundred millionaire, but you can make a living from it. And who? You don't know who you're gonna impact from it. Right. You don't know how you can change their perception on how to be successful. What's your term of successful? You make that decision. Yeah. So if I can show somebody like man. Dude had a little four by eight, little little tow behind trailer. Now he got a twenty foot trailer mm-hmm. in less than in less than ten years. Yeah, and now I got an opportunity to potentially open my own brick and mortar through Kingsford. Yeah, no, really through hard work. Through hard, yes, sure, sure. Because if Kingsford didn't see the hard work, they wouldn't pay me any attention. Yeah, they wouldn't have any reason to. I love that perspective. Absolutely, you're not going to forget that you put in. The hours you have to. Yes. So imagine, imagine the years that nobody knew who. Okay, nobody knew who Perm was, at all. Mm-hmm. But I continue to put in hard work. Yeah. Would I get my brick and mortar? Yeah. Would I get it as fast? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't get it. Yeah. That's the thing. The kings for individuals. When you have individuals that shine spotlight on you, it makes it easier to a degree. Sure. There's still work to be done. To be able to put yourself in a better position to impact other people. I impact people through barbecue. I don't care what you look like, where you from. I don't care if you're a judge or a janitor. You're going to eat at my table. Yeah. You're going to feel the same way, and I'm going to treat you the same way. Everybody gets treated with respect whenever they come to my, my, my window. Everybody gets treated with love when they come to my window. Everybody gets treated with love when they come to my window. Yeah. And that's because when when you eat, it's like you go into your favorite auntie or favorite uncle's house. You sit down, and you get that plate. You're like, ooh, I know I'm gonna eat good today. <laughs> that's one. Of the, that's that's that feeling I love to get because everybody know, like, man, when I come in here, man, I'm at peace. I'm at cool. And those are those environments. And that's what barbecue does. Barbecue gives you those good memories. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're like, when last time you cooked barbecue, man? It was a. It was a graduation. It was a. It was a. It was a. It was a birthday. Yep. Or you know, see, it was. It was. I got a raise, and all of a sudden you're like, man, yeah, 
those are some of the best burgers I ever made. Or, man, I sure did mess up those burgers. But you created a good memory. And that's what that part of barbecue I love. Yeah. And people are like, man, yeah, I see I, I see why you're doing what you're doing. And plus you're putting out good food, so you're making it worth it. Yeah. So when people start doing that, oh, man, you have flash. You, you, you can't put it. Now, my wife can put a dollar amount on it. <laughs> I can't put a dollar amount on it. I want to mention again just how good this uh, this white peach uh, oh, yeah. sipping whiskey is. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's a simple. Fan- it's fantastic. Uh, your your family uh, does does really good work. Um, you mentioned a few kind of what I'll call core values. You know, you said you know you you want people to be known. Um, you want quality control. You want you want standards. Is there anything else that if there's if there is somebody out here listening that says they want to they want to do this like what is there any one or two other things you're like, these are, these are foundational for my wife and I, this is what we do. You know, we, we know people, we want people to be known quality standards, um, quality control and standards. What else? You gotta have something that you stand on. And when I, when I say stand on, I'm not talking about a soapbox or anything like that. What's that legacy you're leading? What, what's your purpose that drives you behind that? You know, all those core values that I've given you, those build into the legacy you're going to leave long after you're gone. You know, of course, after you leave, you know, no one's going to cook barbecue the same because you you paid a certain amount of attention to it that other individuals may or may not take. And that's how a lot of barbecue restaurants get lost because the individual that did cook that barbecue, they had a certain attentive to it that was their baby yeah and and it's shown through their work when they got up in the morning when everybody in the house was sleeping they got up at 4 30 in the morning started them fires for whatever like pork slabs whatever quick quick cooks that they were cooking yeah a lot of people just didn't have long cooks back then you know they they had to feed their family sometime they had to get back home and cook but they knew when they got up early what are they going to say about me after I'm gone? They're going to say, oh, he did it for a buck. Or you're like, man, that man actually did it because he cared. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he was able to provide for his family, yes. And everybody, you know, that that's deep down inside what you want to do. You want to make sure that your family absolutely needs for nothing. Mm-hmm. Want is a whole different thing. You can want the world. I don't want my children to need for anything. Yeah. So when you start doing stuff like that, and your legacy down the line, your legacy is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Hmm. That's good. I, I I love that. I love just the passion that you you put into to everything. You take this seriously. It's, it shows. There's. Uh, I I don't want to leave our time. We're we're kind of getting to the to the end here. Without without a couple a couple just kind of cooking questions. I don't want this podcast to be about cooks, you know, cooking and tips directly, but there's yeah. a couple things that that you do mm-hmm. that I want to talk about. Sure. The first is cardboard under the brisket. Yeah. You I've never seen it done. Yeah. You might have stole it from somebody. I did. I did. But I did. I, I think it's amazing. And so uh just talk a little bit about why you do it, how you do it, and why the uh, the the weekend warrior cook should do it. All right, cardboard and a brisket. 
Um, it doesn't pay, It does not matter on what type of cookie you're cooking on. Okay, that was a question that I had, so that's great. It is. Um, you really do need to use any kind of offset or indirect cooking method. Mm-hmm. You can put it on any cooking apparatus, and what it does, you know, when you do your briskets, you have your lean and your flat. I mean, your excuse me, your flat and your point. I'm sorry. There's too much sipping whiskey. Yeah, it's too much sipping whiskey. <laughs> too much, way too much. <laughs> nah, no. never enough. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, everybody knows your flat rests underneath your point. And, you know, when you cook a brisket, the thing that takes the longest is the point to render out and cook and get it at the right temperature. Mm-hmm. And if you're cooking just directly over great, chances are you're going to dry out that dead gummit flat. Mm-hmm. So what the cardboard does is it retains moisture. It keeps you from burning up that flat on the bottom of that brisket while you're trying to render out that point. Yeah. When you do that, you can transfer it over after you get done wrapping. Once you pick it up off that cardboard, you can see every single bit of that fat that you would have dripped in that pan. Hmm. You can reconstitute it in the brisket if you choose to. You can pour it over it. And the thing about the cardboard is this. Do not use any type of cardboard. Okay. You're particular. Like- you, you have to be particular because if you use any wax-based cardboard, you can cook that off into the meat. Ah, okay. Do not use any glue sections or anything else because you can cook that off into the meat as well. Okay. Use... Any kind of food grade cardboard that you would get either from a case. And you can talk to any butcher and they can give you some cardboard from a case. Just use those clean sections and they'll render that same result every single time. Now, the time frame that you cook is absolutely going to be different depending on the size of the brisket that you cook. You know, smaller the brisket, shorter the cook times, larger the briskets. You're going to take a nap for a couple of days. Yeah, You just are. But the thing is with the cardboard is the cardboard gives you give. You're not, okay, I have a great point. Oh, so oh crap, while I'm cutting this flat, it's just turning into just, you might as well make taco meat out of it. Yeah. It saves it. All right. Because you, if you don't have a cooker that has a huge amount of real estate, if you don't have a 500-gallon cooker or a 300-gallon cooker where you can put your brisket all the way on one side away from the fire and actually allow it to cook down, it gives you grace. We can all use grace. Oh, when it comes to brisket, you better hope you can use some grace. <laughs> all right. The other thing, I, this is kind of one thing I'm going to ask every every guest is just I, I'd love to hear kind of your technique on on ribs, just what you do, how you cook them, how you season them, and uh, would love to hear that from you. All right. Um, I routinely when I cook, I cook spares, uh, cut the breastbone off, uh, turn them into St. Louis cuts. Okay. Keep the breastbone. I make rib tips. Gotcha. Um, as I'm doing that, I season it no more than 30 minutes before I put it on. And before I season it, I always remember, remove the membrane off the back. Yep. Every single time. Okay. Um, I don't do three, two, ones. I do two, two, 30, two, two, two and a half. Two, two and a half. Okay. I wrap for two. I cook open for two. Mm-hmm. Wrap for two. And then leave the other 30 minutes out. Put some sauce on the tack up. By that time, your bones will start pulling back. Yeah. Um, cook anywhere between 275, 300. Uh, is, that, is that kind of across the board, your 275? Are you cooking your briskets a little, little lower? No, uh, briskets between 250, 275. Okay. So, yeah. So you, you can cook kind of at one temp. Yes. Cook everything. Um, not everything. No. Okay. Uh, salmon, salmon, well, definitely, sure. salmon, definitely 250. Okay. Uh, now, you have a lot of fat content in salmon. You really do have more give than you think. But the thing is, I don't want to oversmoke it. 
that's that's one cut of protein that you can really be you can rancid. Yeah. yeah, you can put a lot of smoke into it, and it's just it's not palatable. I've loved hanging out with you. We're almost at an hour. This went really, really fast. Um, <laughs> it's that sippy whiskey that done it too. I tell you, I tell you, I would love just one one last opportunity. Folks can can follow you. Uh, I know on Instagram at, at mm-hmm. Zilla's uh, Pit Barbecue. Mm-hmm. What's what's next? Like what what do people need to watch out for coming next from you, or what do, what do you want people to know? Uh, we're gonna work on. Uh, Press Junket for Complex TV for this Memphis in May. So hopefully you'll see me on Complex TV, you know, giving the story of behind Zillspit Barbecue and um, continue to really try to make sure that I leave that good legacy behind. Um, impact as many people, no matter who it is. Um, you Look, if, y'all, if anyone truly knows me, if they can know they can come to me and ask me a question like, hey, I'm having a question about this. And I'll answer it to the best of my abilities. And if I don't know, we can find that out together. Mm-hmm. That's the whole beautiful thing about barbecue. If I don't know it, you don't know it, we can learn it together. And that's something new in our arsenal. And that's the one beautiful thing about barbecue that I think a lot of people should understand. It is a community. And we really are trying to make sure everybody gets fed. Man, thank you so much for being here. Truly an honor. Great to, uh, great to hang out with you. And uh, we'll, uh, I think we'll do this again at some point. Absolutely. I'm more than welcome to it. And I bring the white peach with me, too. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to the May the Smoke Be With You podcast with Joe Levitt.